Hey, what's up, Rocky Peak? How we doing, 11 o'clock? Hey, it is good to be with you. So I got to ask right now at the top, Rams fans, do you need a hug? <laughs> Patriots fans, can I tell you about my friend, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, <laughs> as we go in? So now that I've offended a good amount of you here in the worship center and over in the ridge, welcome to Rocky Peak this morning. My name is Dre. I'm one of the pastors here. And sincerely, though, if you're here for the very first time, special welcome to you. We're so excited that you're spending this time with us this morning. I'm going to go ahead and lead us in our time of teaching, if you would. Inside your, inside your program, there is a green and white message note sheet, which is a great tool to help you follow along with this time of teaching. It's also a great tool. We provide a lot of blank space there for you to be able to jot down anything the Holy Spirit is specifically prompting you to remember. I'm going to pray, and we're going to dive right in. Jesus, as we continue this study, this teaching series, this life group study on loving people, continue to remind us the big picture that learning to love people well is all about learning to be more like you in each of our relationships. And what a beautiful call that you have asked us as Christ followers to become like you and through the power of the Holy Spirit to do what you did. And so we thank you for this time of worship in which we got to declare truths about who you are. We thank you that we're about to open up your word, which is living and active. We thank you that as I often say as a church, we don't need to ask you to speak because you already are. But as your church, we are committed to listening to what you have to say. Jesus, as the communicator, let me become much, much less. Let you, as the Messiah, as the King, become our focus and much, much more this morning. In your Son's name, we all said, Amen. And so if you're here for the very first time this morning, I'm going to be continuing the series we've been in for the last four or five weeks or so called Loving People, Doing Relationships a Whole New Way. Now, as Christ followers, we see that we now have two core priorities for our lives. The first is to love God with our entire being. The Bible describes it as loving God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, the second priority flows directly directly out of the first, and that's to love people, to love people in a variety of relationships in the same way that Jesus loves us. So in our romantic relationships, in our friendships, as we deal with co-workers, as we deal with professors and teachers, neighbors, how we deal with those that have wronged us, those we disagree with, those that we, that we are angered by, we're called to love each and every one of them as Jesus loves us. And the heart behind this series is that for many Christ followers, if we take an honest examination of our lives, we would find that the way we love in these relationships really is no different than how we loved before. Jesus came into our lives, and often those are dysfunctional and destructive ways. And so the goal of this series is to go back to Scripture, to God's holy word, and to see what does it teach us about loving well in all of our relationships, and to allow the Holy Spirit to transform us to be Christ followers who do relationships in a whole new way. And so if you're joining us for the first time, I'd love to invite you, jump on our YouTube page or through the free Rocky Peak app, and catch up on the messages that we've had in this series as they build on each other and add context for where we're going this morning. So today, the topic on the table is listening. Now, when Michael first assigned me this topic, 
I realize that he's trying to send me a message. But the reality is that learning to listen well is going to radically change how we approach and engage in all of our relationships. And if you've been with us in this journey, you've heard Michael say this phrase, he brought it back out again last week, is that if you want to grow in love, then we have to grow up. If we want to grow in love, in how we love people, then we have to grow up. In other words, to do relationships in a whole new way, we need to learn what it means to engage in all of our relationships with a mature love. And a key mark of maturity is the ability to listen well. And so as we dive right in, what we need to do is we need to establish what is our starting point when it comes to growing as listeners. And there in your note sheet, you've got a section titled, Two Important Truths, and your first fill-in is this. Listening is a learned skill. Listening is a learned skill. Now, on your note sheets, the word learned is already underlined. Would you double and triple underline that? Would you put a box around that? Because of sin, because of pride, rarely do we find ourselves naturally good at listening. And so if we are going to learn to love people through growing as listeners, the very first step is an act of humility, is by acknowledging this does not come naturally. Now, the truth of the matter is, for some of us, we are aware of that. We are aware of the fact that there are types of people or there are certain conversations or certain trigger words or phrases that make us bad at listening. For others of us, and I often fall into this camp more often than not, we are actually blind to the fact that we struggle as listeners. And because of that, it's because we have bought into a false narrative. There is a temptation to believe that we are good listeners because we are extraordinary listeners when it's something we want to hear. When I have already predetermined that I agree, that I believe this is right, that it's something I want to hear in my echo chamber, that it doesn't challenge my passions or my core to believe, I am a great listener. But it's when I don't agree, it's when it challenges a value I hold dear, when it's an opinion or a viewpoint that I don't support, then what happens is often I don't naturally go into, tell me more, help me understand. Often what happens is I go into correction mode. This person must be destroyed. <laughs> and think about it. Have you ever had that experience where someone has not even finished their statement and you're already, nope, nope, you're wrong, nope. Let me illustrate how I've struggled with this in my life. As I've had to deal with pride, and one way that pride has manifested in my life is that it's made me a bad listener throughout the years. And so when I think about my struggle when it comes to listening, I would describe my personality type as I am in actually. And here's what it means to be an actually type of person. It means that if I hear a factually wrong statement, or if I hear an opinion that I don't agree with, then what happens is I insert my opinion, or I insert facts, and I start with a very curt and cold, actually, 
you're wrong in the situation. Actually, that's not how you're supposed to use that word. Actually, the numbers don't line up. Actually, Jesus talked to me, not you, and you're way off in this situation. Even if they're not speaking directly to me, it's like my actually prideful spider sense goes off and I go, someone needs to be corrected. And I not only try to correct the person, but I also want to have the last word in the conversation. Now, hear me very clearly. There are a myriad of wonderful, beautiful, respectful ways to correct others and to disagree well. We need to learn how to do both as maturing Christ followers. This is not one of those ways. This is annoying, but also when the Lord's examined my heart and revealed this, what He's shown me is that when me saying actually, what I'm really just saying is, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong, and you need to know you're wrong. Even if I'm right, even if I'm right about the fact, even if I'm right about the moral position, what I realize with my pride is am I my most dangerous when I am right? Because what this personality type does, it doesn't seek to hear or understand. It simply seeks to correct, but really to devalue the other person. Now examine your relationships. Are there certain people in which your tendency is to be an actually? Maybe not certain people, but are there certain topics? Are there certain passions or values in which your tendency is to be this? And so that's why as our starting point, we need to understand that we need humility because listening is a learned skill. Now, the second part of our foundation, the second fill-in is this. We are transformed into great listeners. We are transformed into great listeners. What is absolutely beautiful about this truth is that I am not going to grow in my ability to listen because of any of my strength or power or effort. This is a supernatural growth that will happen because of the power, the presence, and the leading of Jesus in my life. That if I and if we as Christ followers are regularly seeking the presence and the leadership of Jesus through his power, he is going to grow and transform us to be great listeners. And what I love about this is because it's dependent on Jesus, not us, that regardless of your story, regardless of your background, regardless of your, of your failures in this area, each and every one of us can be transformed to reflect Jesus in this area. That is his desire for you, and he will equip you to become that person. You might be sitting there going, there is no way anyone would ever say, you're a good listener. And the truth of the matter is, Jesus the Christ is saying, through my Holy Spirit, you won't just be good, you will be great. I love Colossians 3 there on your note sheet. If you're familiar with my teaching, it's one of my favorite passages, and I bring it often to our time. And in it, the Apostle Paul says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, would you underline that? 
We are no longer defined by our imperfection, by sin, by darkness, by our failures. We are now defined by the risen Jesus. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And what I love so much about this passion, this passage, is that it is constantly reminding us of who Jesus has set us free to be, which is a reflection of him. And so when we look at the life of Jesus, we see that Jesus was an extraordinary listener. And we see that as Jesus listens to his creation, it is not a simple courtesy that he gives us, but it is truly an act of love. It is a way he loves us. And so this passage in Colossians is reminding us that Christ follower, the transformation of God in our lives transforms us to be like Jesus. So what he did, we are now empowered to do. The, a Christ follower who is a good listener because of the power of the Holy Spirit is not not meant to be the exception, but because of the Holy Spirit in you, it is meant to be the norm for Christ followers. We are transformed into great listeners. And so now that we've kind of established a starting point and a foundation, as we look at the life of Jesus, let's talk about what is a key essential ingredient of growing to be a good listener. So then in your note sheet, you've got a section titled that, the essential ingredient, and the fill-in is this. Listening requires genuine empathy. Listening requires genuine empathy. And so at Rocky Peak, some common language that we often use is this language or term of something being filtered. And so what it means is that if we see something through a set of filters, it often distorts the truth about the matter. And so for us to really understand this building block, we need to acknowledge that we have filters often in how we view the word and concept of empathy, that we often approach it with a misunderstanding that can create a fear or even a distrust in empathetic listening when it comes to our relationships in life. And so there in your note sheet, I have the textbook definition of empathy, not my words, because I think it really clarifies what we're talking about. It is this, the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. The ability to understand and share the feelings of another. Now, as we look at that definition, what I love about it is what it does not say. Do you notice that the definition of empathy does not involve the word agreeing? That empathy is not dependent on agreement. And that's where sometimes the false belief can come from, especially as Christ followers, when we're faced with other viewpoints or other beliefs that are against what the Lord and Scripture would teach, is we feel, well, we can't listen well, we can't have empathy unless there is agreement. And the reality is, this hopefully is freeing to us, is that listening well, loving through empathy is not dependent on agreement. We are not only 
always going to agree. That is going to happen in small matter. That will happen in deeply held, passionate matters. The goal is not always to agree, but the goal as Christ followers is always to love through it. And what I love about empathy is what empathy does is that it declares that the other person is a human being. And that because of that, they have value in the eyes of Jesus. See, again, if I examine my heart honestly, and I'm sure some of you can relate, when I don't agree and my mind immediately goes into correction mode, what do I feel emotionally? Anger. Have you noticed how quick it is to go to anger when we disagree? And when I am angry, there is a temptation in anger to devalue the humanity of the object of my anger. There is a temptation to sit there and stew and go, I cannot believe that you would believe this, that you would think this, that you would do this, that you would say this. And hear me, the problem is not getting angry. The problem is often what we do in our anger. The problem is, again, whatever our physical outpouring of anger is, internally, often what our anger does, it devalues the person. And we may not use these words, but we see them as less than human. And we need to step back and see in the life of Jesus that Jesus modeled beautifully how to listen empathetically to other people without compromising God's moral truth. What I love is, this isn't in your note sheet, but feel free to write down Mark chapter 2. So in Mark chapter 2, there's an event in the life of Jesus in which Jesus calls a tax collector to come and follow after him, a tax collector named Levi. Now here in the Western world, in the United States, we may not have fond thoughts of tax collectors. But at the time of Jesus, especially as part of the Jewish nation, they had deep-seated anger and hatred towards tax collector. Because if you were a Jewish tax collector, you had sold out and you were a traitor to your Jewish race. You were working for the pagan Roman government. The goal of the Roman government was to erase Jewish culture and erase Jewish faith away from their colonies because they viewed it as inferior. So you worked for them and aided them in doing that. Secondly, many tax collectors became very wealthy because they would rob from their fellow Jews. And what that meant is they would collect what Rome demanded. They would collect more. Rome didn't care as long as they were getting their share. And if people refused to pay, they could just call down the might of Rome on them. This was known. This was going on. Levi was not a good dude. And Jesus comes to this man and says, follow me. And then what happens next in this account is that Levi invites Jesus to dinner at his house. Dinner is more than simply eating in silence. They're engaging. They're having a relationship. They are listening. And the Bible says that not only was Levi there, but other tax collectors and sinners. This was a party of shady people. And Jesus is in the middle of it. And Jesus, I'm sure, is not only teaching, but he is listening. He is hearing their stories. 
He is hearing their viewpoint. And Jesus is not going to betray God's holy truth. But in the act of engaging and loving them, he is showing them there is another way. And throughout the life of Jesus, we see how he listens to people in deep-seated sin, how he listens to people who are sexually immoral, how he listened to complete hypocrites, how he listened to people that wanted nothing more than for Jesus to die. And so Jesus modeled for us to never compromise God God's truth, but that through that we can still show the love of God through the act of listening with empathy. Christ followers of the model of Jesus, we see that when we listen, we are displaying a supernatural power and a supernatural love that comes from the work of Jesus in our lives. And I want to show you how this plays out in the New Testament. There in your note sheet, you've got uh, some verses from James chapter 1. If you have your Bible or an app, I'm going to invite you to join me in James chapter 1. James chapter 1, and I'm going to be starting at verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Let me read that first verse again. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Let's stop right there. Now, often I ask you to underline or highlight key words or phrases in this scripture. I'm going to tell you, underline it all. (laughs) Highlight it all. Now, as we read this, there's a temptation that I feel in my pride. As I read this charge and this command, my mind wants to go to, there's about 20 people in my life that need to hear this verse. (laughs) There's about 20 people in my life that need this written on Sharpie on their foreheads. But again, it needs to start with me, and it needs to start with us. And so when I read this verse, I like to put my own name in it, because this is speaking to me as it speaks to us. Dre you need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And then again, going to verse 20, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. As we talk about at Rocky Peak, God has an epic vision for your life. And your vision is for God to transform you and to grow you to be a person who is righteous. That doesn't mean perfect, but it means you are living in right relationship with Lord and the Lord and you are experiencing transformation into becoming more and more like Jesus in your everyday life. And we talk about that progression, didn't we, a little bit earlier, that when I'm not quick to listen, when I am quick to speak, when I'm not slow to being angry, what happens? Anger takes over and it ends up devaluing and diminishing the humanity of the other person in my eyes. And so one thing that makes this charge even more impactful is understanding the context this was written in. Because be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. There's some of us that honestly goes, well, that sounds like really cute Christianese, doesn't it? That sounds like that would look good on a little mirror or a placard with a fat baby angel on the side of it that you hang up. But that really doesn't work in the real world, does it? Sometimes we think, well, 
the people that wrote this, they were probably in a holy Christian bubble in a very gentle Sunday school where it was easy. We're dealing with the real world and reality. That can't apply, right? And so to see that, let's jump into the context. First of all, the author, James, is traditionally believed to be the half-brother of Jesus. James knew a thing or two about not listening because in the life of Jesus, he did not accept that Jesus was the Messiah he claimed to be. Secondly, as we look throughout James's letter, we see that as James is writing to believers, whether it's believers in one area or believers that are spread out, he is writing to believers who are passionately fighting, disagreeing, and in conflict over some deep-seated issues, issues such as favoritism, issues such as does wealth and status make you better than another person, issues such as hypocrisy, people in the church being Christ followers in words only. Third, we look at the culture that James is writing into, that in the movement of Jesus under the Roman Empire, it was never easy to claim Jesus is Lord. But at this point in that the Roman Empire is applying more persecution, more uh, hostility, more anger, and it is growing culturally increasingly difficult and hostile to be a follower of Jesus. And so now we've painted a picture that it is a world of anger, frustration, human failure, not listening, and hostility. And it's into that world that the Holy Spirit writes through James, Christ followers, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because the subtext is that is how we fight. Christ followers, on this side of heaven, we are in a fight. We are in a war against the kingdom of darkness. But the beautiful reminder that James shows us is we do not fight like the other side fights. The other side fights with anger. The other fight side fights with destruction, with disunity. We, as the kingdom of Jesus, fight with the love of Jesus. We, as the kingdom of Jesus, will stand firm on a radical love of Jesus that no matter what is thrown, no matter the hurt, no matter the disagreement, no matter the pain, when it comes to doing relationships in a new way, we will love because of the Spirit in us, we will love in a radical new way way, whether it is a small disagreement, whether it is a significant one, whether it's a disagreement with somebody that is dear to us, whether it's a disagreement with somebody we would call an enemy. When we fight with the love of Jesus, it keeps in our forefront that the world around us, all of his creation, they are created by the same Father that created us. They are loved by the same Jesus that loves us, and the same opportunity to be transformed is there for them as it was for us. And there's many ways to show and fight. But for our topic today, we see that listening is an act of love. And finally, for our section, James concludes in verse 21, therefore get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word that is planted in you which can save you. It's what we were just talking about, that you are no longer defined by the darkness and sin and failures. 
Don't go back, move forward. Embrace the power of Jesus and fight through the love of Jesus. So, in your life group studies this week, you're going to get to talk more about this topic, whether big picture and also some practical steps on how do we become a better listener. But on that note of the practicality of this, what I want to do with the time we have left is I just want to focus on two key ways we grow in this area. So there in your note sheet, you have a section titled Becoming a Better Listener. And the first fill-in is this. Listen to Jesus' truth. Listen to Jesus' truth. This is how we learn to listen well in all of the relationships we engage with is by first learning how to listen well in our primary relationship, in our top love, which is to Jesus. Because listening to others well is an overflow of listening well to the voice and leading of Jesus in our lives. If you've been around Rocky Peak for any length of time, you know that that's the foundation of our church, that we would grow as Christ followers to be those that are listening and following to the voice and leading of Jesus. And what I often find in my own life and in my own struggles is that if I find that I'm having a hard time listening to others around me, it's usually reflective that I'm having a hard time listening to the voice of Jesus in my life. And in some cases, similar to listening to others around me, it can be because I just don't know how. But again, as I examine my heart, in some cases, I struggle listening to the voice of Jesus because I don't like what he has to say. Because I don't like what he's acknowledging. See, we see this reflected in the life of his 12 disciples. There in your note sheet, I put out some scriptures from Mark chapter 14. Now, I'm going to read through this quickly, but first, I want to set up some context. And so, we're in the middle of the last night of Jesus' life. So, this night is going to end with Jesus' death on the cross. And so, right before this instance, we have what's called the Last Supper, in which Jesus gathered his disciples together and gave us the gift and remembrance of communion. Now, this has already been an emotionally taxing night for the disciples, because at the Last Supper, Jesus was once again telling them that he would need to die to fulfill God's will. And whenever Jesus told his disciples that, they did not like that. They did not agree with that. They would fight Jesus on this and go, no, you're wrong. That is not what Messiah does. So, here's Jesus again bringing that up. The second thing is at that dinner, Jesus told them that one of them was going to betray him, was going to betray all of them. Now, again, we sit here at the end of the story knowing that that's Judas. And because of that, we often view Judas through a filter in which we think that the disciples always knew there was something off and evil about Judas. That we picture that Judas lived his life in like an evil villain, a top hat, handlebar mustache, that he was always always in the corner, like scheming and doing this. But to the disciples, they didn't know it was going to be Judas because Judas was their brother. They traveled with him, lived with him, succeeded with him, shared life with him, failed with him for three years. And so Jesus saying, one of you is going to betray me, is already yet another emotional hit. And then we start in our passage today, starting in verse 27 of Mark chapter 14, there in your note sheet, you will all fall away. Man, say what you will about Jesus, 
but he's honest and blunt. You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Jesus is quoting Zechariah, an Old Testament saying, prophecy that is saying what will happen to God's Messiah. Verse 29, Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Okay, let's talk about Peter here. There, there is a temptation to see that and go, oh, Peter. Because what is the very real situation? Jesus is speaking truth, and Peter's response is, you are wrong. That is not what's going to happen. And so there is a temptation to go, Peter, what is wrong with you? Peter, it's Jesus. Listen to him. But when I honestly let the Lord examine my heart, I realize that I am Peter. Have you had that experience? Because I have to think back on times in my life in which the Lord has told me truth, and my response was, no, you're wrong. Think about times in your life in which the Lord has revealed certain sins. Maybe it was a sin of addiction. It was a sin of pornography. Maybe it was the sin of anger or lack of compassion or the sin of laziness. And we respond like Peter and go, no, I don't have a problem in that area. Jesus, let me tell you who has the problem, who you should be talking to. I have this under control. This isn't an issue. Or think about times when the Lord has spoken to us to reveal idols in our life, areas in which we find our value and worth aside from Him. Think about times when the Lord's revealed, hey, you're trying to get your value and your worth from your achievements from how much you do or how good people think you are. Hey, you're trying to get your value and worth from being the perfect parent that has it all together or being the perfect spouse. Hey, you're trying to get your value and worth through your kids becoming your idol, that everything, you don't want to say no in your whole life and your calendar and your checkbook revolves solely around them. Hey, you're getting your value and worth from are you living comfortably? No trials, nothing rocks the boat. And when the Lord sometimes reveals you are bowing the knee to another God, many of us respond like, Peter, no, that's not true. Sure, these are important in my life, but they're good things, Jesus. That's not true. Or think about sometimes when the Lord has revealed a step or a direction He wants us to go in our life, and it's different from the plan we have made. And our plan is a good plan. We like our plan. And the Lord says, hey, we're going to take a detour, or hey, I've got a better plan for you, or I even want you to take a leap of faith. You're not going to know where you're going, but you know that I'm going to be with you. Hey, you're going to sacrifice some comfortability. You're going to sacrifice some gold. Hey, I want you to give of your time or your money or your efforts to serve in this area. No, Jesus, not the plan. My plan is good, and we have an agreement. Let me deal with the plans. Or Christ followers, think of times in which the Lord has spoken to us and has called us to love someone, particularly someone who does not love Jesus. 
who is fairly hostile to the idea of Jesus, Scripture, and the Bible. And think about those times in which we've responded to that person. No. You love them. That's your job. Me, I'm going to stay angry. Me, I'm going to stay here. And so we could go on and on and on, and there in your note sheet it has the rest of it, but Peter kept arguing with Jesus. And so this truth of learning to listen to what Jesus says us is the difference between acting as Peter did and saying no, and then responding differently. Imagine if Peter had said, Jesus, I hear what you're saying. I don't like what you're saying. Jesus, I have no idea how to not go down the path you're predicting for me. Show me how. Teach me how. Guide me how. Lead me. And so practically speaking, what does this look like? Well, there's a lot of different ways. I want to highlight just one, and that always brings us back to the beauty of prayer and the relationship in prayer. And so I would love to encourage you that as you go into the presence of Lord in prayer, would you be willing to ask the question, Jesus, show me any areas in my life in which I've not been listening to you? And the Lord will. The Lord may reveal some areas that you know he's been knocking and you just didn't want to deal with it. The Lord may reveal some blind spots and something he wants to give you freedom from and deal. The Lord may reveal a new leading or a next step or a new area of focus and growth or another way. But again, first and foremost, we are coming to the Lord in humility and saying, Jesus, I want to hear your voice above all else because the voice of Jesus is not to shame and guilt. The voice of Jesus is to empower and free. And so that's the first practical step. The second one is this. Listening is a reflection of Jesus' love. Listening is a reflection of Jesus' love. And so what I mean is practically, we need to make every effort possible to keep this in the forefront of our minds because when we show the love of Jesus to anyone in our lives through any means, what we're actually doing is we're sharing the gospel of Jesus. That is how we share the gospel, by showing them the love of Jesus through our lives. And so by loving people through the act of listening, through the act of showing empathy, we are sharing the gospel. And we need to keep this practically at our forefront because Christ followers, that is our mission. The Lord did not call these spiritual leads or just pastors and elders to share the gospel. The Lord has called all Christ followers to be part of this mission. This is your game. And so practically the question is, what is your game plan? We don't want to just walk out of here going, okay, I just need to be a better listener. I got to make sure that I'm a better listener. We got to get more specific. What is the game plan the Lord is writing for you? What is the game plan that he is speaking directly in your life? Because all of our plans may look different, but the Lord is the one leading it. I've already given you the first step. Listen to Jesus. And I'm willing to bet that Jesus has already placed someone in your life that he wants to use to grow you in loving through listening. I'm willing to bet that person is already there. And so the game plan can be seeking, having the Lord reveal that and asking the Lord, transform my heart towards that person. 
Now, this could be someone you hold very dear, and there's a core issue or there's a, a disagreement there that you often go back to. This could be someone that you would consider an enemy, that maybe it's against deeply held passions you have, maybe even against the Word of God itself. But again, is the Lord using these people in your life to grow you in showing love through the act of listening? And in that, the Lord will show you what's the next step you can take to engage them, to love them. For some of you, it might be going to someone you hold dear and saying, I got to apologize to you. We keep trying to talk about this topic and I'm just not listening to you. For some of you, it might be the Lord prompting you to begin a dialogue with someone you would say you don't have a lot of affection for. And if that's the case, I love this quote on your note sheet. Michael used this quote last week, and I think it's just wonderful. I strongly believe that loving behavior creates love feelings more than, any, more than the other way around. Find someone you don't love and start treating him or her as if you do. Very soon, it's almost alarming how quickly, you will begin to see your respect building and the feeling of love will emerge. And so Christ followers, as we wrap it all up, to love people well is to be a reflection of the love of Jesus in our relationships. And so when it comes to our topic of listening, Always remember that it starts with listening to the Lord and keep at the forefront that this is a way we show the supernatural power of Jesus to those in our lives. Amen? So I'm going to invite the worship team to come on out. And as we close out our service, what we're going to do is we're going to give ourselves the opportunity to listen to our first love, to our Jesus. And so we're going to do that in a couple ways. We're going to do that, one, through singing a few songs. But also, as you see the tables around you, we're going to listen to the Lord by engaging in the act of communion. Now, communion is something Jesus modeled for us. It's reserved for Christ followers, those men and women that have given their life to Jesus. And what we do by taking the bread and the drink is that we're remembering the love of Jesus, the depth of grace, how he died and rose again to win us and transform us for all of eternity. What I love about communion is that it's not meant to be a somber affair, but it is a celebration that King Jesus is real, King Jesus is risen, and he is transforming us each and every day. And today, for our purposes, as we take that act of communion, it is an opportunity to declare, Jesus, you are not a silent king. Jesus, you are speaking to us, and joyfully, we will listen to what you have to say. And so as we go into this time, as you take communion, feel free to also engage with this time of worship as the Lord is leading you. Feel free to worship. Feel free to pray alone or with other people. Feel free to close your eyes and receive. Feel free to get down on your knees or stand up and extend your hands. However the Lord is leading, we want to be able to engage together in that. Now remember, this is a big room. We're a big family. So remember to show the act of love of people through patience as you're going around to the different tables. So with that, let's pray together. Jesus, I just want to thank you that you are not silent. Jesus, I want to thank you that you speak to us in a variety of ways. You speak to us through your word, the Holy Scriptures. 
You speak through us through our church and our family. You speak to us through other people, through wise counsel. You speak to us through creation. Your fingerprints are on everything we see. You speak to us through correction at times. You speak to us through encouragement. You speak to us in prayer. And Father, as we think about our priorities in life, we are committed to making, hearing your voice, listening and following the top priority of our life. Because through that, everything else will follow. And so when it comes to loving others well, let us first see it as truly the overflow of loving you well. When it comes to specifically loving people through uh, the act of listening, Father, we know that we're weak sometimes in this area. Father, we know that with certain people it seems impossible, but we also know that we have the Holy Spirit living in us that raised you from the grave. If the Holy Spirit can conquer sin and death through the person of Jesus, then the Holy Spirit can teach me to be a better listener. And so we thank you for that. We thank you for these songs and this act of communion, and we are committed to listening and following to you. In your son's name, we all said, amen. Let's stand and engage in communion and worship together. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Father, we have experienced that truth, that your arms were open wide and embraced us when we came home. And Father, this whole series of loving people in a whole new way is about showing people in all of our relationships the truth of that as well that just as we were embraced and welcomed home by the Father, that he looks to embrace all his creation, that he looks to restore all of his creation through the risen Jesus. And so what a gift and what an opportunity we have that in a variety of ways such as listening that we get to declare that truth, that the same God the Father that embraced my brokenness and made me brand new can embrace you as well. And so as we sing this last song, as we receive our gifts and our tithes and offerings, we want this to be a declaration of who you are and what you transform us into being. In your son's name, amen. It's a beautiful song because it declares so clearly our mission, doesn't it? Jesus, fill us with your heart and in your love, lead us to those around us so we can show them your love in a practical way in their lives. And so Christ follower, that is our opportunity, that we're not yet perfect, but we're being transformed by a perfect Jesus, that his Holy Spirit is empowering us to be people of authenticity to be people of character, to be people of love, and to be people that show love through listening. And so as we leave this place, let us be active and intentional of loving others the way Jesus has loved us. Amen? So whether you're here in the worship center or over in the ridge, I want to invite you over to my right along that wall. If you'd like prayer before you leave this place, there's some men and women from our prayer ministry over there. They would love to cover you. Their prayers are powerful. Next week, as I often say, you got to be here. Michael's going to be back, and we've hit the halfway point of this series, believe it or not. And the Lord is just getting started. So you don't want to miss what he's got for us as we continue. I'll see you then, Rocky Peak. Have a great week.